The following story has been brought to you by storiestoinspire.org. Years ago, this is a story that's told over by Rabbi Pesach Krohn, but I remember it as a boy. I was there. You see, before Camp Shifte was our wonderful sleepaway camp here in the community, Camp Shifte Israel, that I myself went to for quite a few years with Rabbi Lume, Shalim, and Rabbi Wadish. And of course, Rabbi Wallerstein. Right before Camp Shifte Israel opened, the grounds, on those grounds was an Ashkenaz camp. It was Camp Kolrina. I remember Camp Kolrina. I went there as a boy, as a camper, when I was about 10, 11 years old. There was a great rabbi there in Camp Kolrina, which was the Morad Atra. He was the head rav of the camp. For now, we're not going to mention the name, because I didn't ask Rashut to mention the name. But nonetheless, the rabbi of the camp, he came up with a tremendous idea. They decided in Camp Corina, being that every day the different bunks of boys competed between each other, they decided to make a Kiddush Hashem competition. Let's see which bunk of boys was able to come up with the most creative and imaginative Kiddush Hashem to be made and to be judged and in the competition. And I remember the prize, of course. The prize was the bunk that made, came up with and made the greatest Kiddush Hashem. They were going to get two pies of pizza. And in those days in camp, that, that was a big thing. So everybody was thinking, what was going to be the Kiddush Hashem that their bunk was going to make? How were they going to win this competition? Well, one bunk decided they're going to go out to an old age home. And there they dressed up in their white shirts and they're in their Shabbat-looking clothing. They walked into the old age home, lined up a bunch of little Jewish boys with kippot, with their tzitzit hanging out, and they began to sing, and they began to dance. And the old people in the old age home, they loved it. They loved it. And it was a real Kiddush Hashem. And that day, those little boys walked out, painting smiles on the faces of everyone there in that old age home. And people looked at each other and smiled and said, Ah, take a look. These are Jewish boys. Another bunk decided that they're going to go to the local shop right and they're going to beg the groceries of the people. So you had in shop right about 15 different lanes of checkout counters. And these 15 boys, they situated themselves at the end of each checkout counter. And as the person came through with their groceries, this little boy with a yarmulke, a kippah, and his tzitzit hanging out, began to beg all the groceries for the people, smiled to the people, and told them, have a good day. And there, the hicks in the mountains, I mean, they couldn't believe it. They hardly ever saw Jews. And here they see these young little boys, Jewish boys, begging everyone's groceries, giving them a big smile, wishing them a good day, and sending them off one after the next on all 15 lanes of ShopRite, right outside Livingston Manor. Uh, they loved it. It was a real Kiddush Hashem. And it was, everyone was hot on this competition. I remember our bunk came up with an idea. And we knew. 
that we wanted something that's going to be Kiddush Hashem extraordinaire. We were looking for a real creative and imaginative way to come up with a great Kiddush Hashem. And it was there, I remember as a little boy, we realized, you know, there's an old shul in Livingston Manor. The shul was built in 1904. This old shul was closed for many, many years. We were thinking to ourselves, what type of great Kiddush Hashem would it be if we would reopen the Livingston Manor Shul for one day? Here's a shul. Hasn't been opened in 25, 30, 40 years. Here's a shul that must have tremendous history to it. Could you imagine if we go, we call up all the old men in the area, the old members, and we actually reopen the shul for a day, pray a few tefillot in the shul for a day, what type of unbelievable Kiddush Hashem would that be? Well, after really researching, our counselor found out that there's one man there in Livingston Manor in the area. He's like the silent Shamosh. He's like the Gabai. His name was Izzy Brooks. He was the one with the key to the Livingston Manor shul. My counselor contacted him and he said, listen, we really want to make a Kiddush Hashem. <laughs> he didn't tell him about the pizza, but we want to make a Kiddush Hashem. Do you think it's possible that we could reopen history? You think it's possible that we can go down to Livingston Manor Shul? We know it hasn't been open in decades, but you think we can open it for one day and we can actually bring a minyan and pray to Philot and bring some of the old men in the area the old members back, let them share with us some of their stories, some of their experiences. Let the boys hear a little bit about the history of the shul. Let the boys hear a little bit about the legacy of the shul, the founders of the shul. Do you think we can do this? Izzy Brooks was elated. He said, absolutely. I, I think it's a great idea. My counselor began to start calling all the older men in the area in Livingston Manor all the old members. And he told them, gentlemen, I'm coming down with a group of young boys. They're thirsty to want to hear your story. They want to see the shul. They're looking to hear about that history. Come down. Tomorrow, we're reopening the Livingston Manor shul for the first time in decades. Now, to these older men, this was like, this was like a Yom Tov. This was like a Chag. I don't know if they were still working yet on that time or maybe they were retired, but nobody went out to work that day. They all picked themselves up and they came out the next morning to the Livingston Manor Shul. And you could be sure we were there first. We were standing outside in our white shirts with our counselor. Izzy Brooks came, opened up the padlock on the front door of the shul. And one by one, we all walked inside and we were looking around. And there was such a feeling in the air. A little bit of an eerie feeling. And we were expecting to see cobwebs and dust. and But it was interesting. It was immaculate. It was completely and absolutely clean. Quietly, we picked up a sidur. We all sat down. And lo and behold, as we looked out the windows, we saw the cars beginning to pull up one after the next after the next. And all the old-timers 
from the Livingston Manor area began to come out. And they came in, and they looked around in the shul, ah, the look on their faces. It was like they had this grin of a smile. And as they walked in and looked at the walls and looked at the shul, you could see on their faces that they were themselves going back in history with so much feeling and memory to the days when this place was once vibrant. This was once a vibrant shul. And now it's just walls with memories. We all sat down together and we began shahrit. And Izzy Brooks put on his tefillin and his talit and he actually requested that he wanted to be shaliyah tzibur. He wanted to be the hazan. So he said, please, please go ahead. He got up. He was hazan. He prayed a beautiful tefillah. And it was after the tefillah that we started talking to some of the older men. They started telling us beautiful stories about the shul, about Livingston Manor, about the days when they first came to the United States. And the little shtetlach, and the places in Europe that they originated from. Each one with their own beautiful and fascinating story. And then the Rav of the camp quietly made his way over to the Shamosh, to Izzy Brooks. And he turned to Izzy and he said, Tell me, tell me a little bit about the shul. You saw that Izzy closed his eyes. And as if he was transferring himself back in time, he he kind of started to think deeply. And he turned to the Rav and he says, Rabbi, I want to tell you. My father, he came to the United States in 1904. And there, he was going to settle in the Lower East Side, like everybody else. But it was too noisy for him. Could you imagine, in 1904, the Lower East Side was too noisy. It was too noisy for him. So he decided that he's going to move out of town. He's going to go upstate. And it was at that time that all this land was all empty. It was incredibly cheap. And it was all farmlands. And it was not just him. There was a lot of Jewish people, immigrants, that came to the United States in that time period, in that era. And they too waited their way up to the Catskills. And they bought up farmlands and they began to open beautiful farms. And it was very affordable. It was a wonderful living opportunity. And as well, it was a lucrative opportunity. He says, but at that time, my father was from one of the more religious people up here in the Livingston Manor area in the Catskills. And we started to daven together with all the other farmers. And you know where we prayed? We davened on the farms. But it was after a while that although we had so many people coming, especially on Shabbat, we had over 200 People praying together on a farm. My father felt that uh, to pray in a barn on a farm is just not right. Barns are made for animals. This is not the place we should be crying out to Boreolam. My father was very handy. So he decided, together with the help of a few of the farmers, they were going to take off some time. and They were going to put their handiwork to use. They went out and they built this shul. And there, in 1907, the opening of the Livingston Manor Shul. He said the shul was thriving. The shul was bustling with people during the week and especially Shabbat. He said the shul was packed. And this went on through World War II. It went on for decades. 
He says, but you know how it goes. Up here in the Catskills, unlike the big city, over here, as time went on, slowly but surely, the older generation began to die out. And the younger generation, the kids, they all began to move away. Many of them settling in the big cities. Many of them going to different states. And little by little, the Livingston Manor Shul began to lose its members. He says over time, right up until the 1950s, they had a minyan every Shabbat and every day in the Livingston Manor Shul until the final day. In 1955, that year was the last year that the Livingston Manor Shul actually hosted Minyanim. It came to a point where they couldn't even get a Minyan together anymore. It was very difficult. He said outside of the high holidays, outside of Rosh Hashanah and Kippur, it was very difficult to get a Minyan. And it came to the point in 1955 that they finally closed the Livingston Manor Shul. Izzy looks up at the rabbi and he says, So, it's been closed ever since, and I'm the one here with the key. Simply, here, the place that my father built, keeping my eye. So the rabbi turns to Izzy Brooks and says, But Izzy, I don't understand. I'm looking around the shul. You're telling me it hasn't been open since 1955. It's now 1980. It's 25 years later. But the place is immaculate. No cobwebs, no dust, no nothing. It looked like it was used yesterday. And a matter of fact, in the front of the shul, there's a calendar hanging. And the calendar is up to date. I don't understand. If the shul isn't functional, what's the calendar? As he drops his eyes, he looks at the rabbi. And he says to him, Rabbi, I want to tell you something. Ever since 1955, I come into the shul every week and I clean every seat. I brush the dust off of the bima, and I clean up and I press and clean the Aron Kodesh. I'm the one that brings the calendar in and I updated it and continue to update it every year. Yeah, the shul might be closed. But it's still, it's still Hashem's home. It's still Hashem's home. I'm here every week. That is what the old timers once felt for a shul. Did you ever see when from the older timers, the older people in our community and in Klal Yisrael, when an older Jew would come into shul, Today, today we run into the shul. We grab this, we grab that, we grab a chair, we start praying, we finish davening, we're out, we're coming, we're going. Did you ever see the way an old Jew from the last generation used to come into the shul? He would walk up to the door. He would stop. He put his hand on the mezuzah. And you'd hear him say, and this is before he even walked in, you hear him say, Va'ani, Berov Hazdecha Hashem and I with your great kindness Avoil Betecha I'm entering your home Eshtahave 
And I'm bowing. He didn't even walk in yet. Already he's bowing. He's bowing. With fear. I'm bowing in front of your hechal. They had such a feeling for the Makom Kadosh. They understood what a Mikdash Ma'at really is. They understood that this is Hashem's home. Says Izzy Brooks, since 1955. Yes, no one prays here anymore. But still, I come in every week. I brush the dust off the chairs. I clean off the cobwebs. I clean up the bima. I straighten the Aron Kodesh. Because this is Hashem's home. This was once the feeling and the understanding of a Jew and the Kedushat Betakneset and the holiness of what a shul really is to us. Enjoyed this story? Come again. Bring a friend. Stories to inspire dot org.